Polly and fam, and welcome to Talk Your Polly Off, presented by ilovepolly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hey there, Polyam fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off. I am Monsuda. And I am Bella. And we are coming at you almost live from the typo headquarters, more specifically, <laughs> the bathroom. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, that's what we're doing here. We are recording an episode from the bathroom <laughs> because Bella really wanted to take a bath. And this is the best time for us to do the business. Yeah. Not it's... the... That business. Not that business. That business. <laughs> I had a doctor's appointment today, and I just, you know, I really wanted to take a bath, and today was recording day, so we thought we would check out the acoustics <laughs> in our bathroom. Da, 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 da. What are we talking about today? Oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I do believe... It's emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. That's when you and the smarts in the hearts. <laughs> I have some, what is it called, Dr. Teal's with uh, foaming bath bubbles. Yeah, so if you work for Dr. Teal's and you hear this, you better damn well pay us. Oh, that'd be nice. It's not an ad, but I wish it was an ad. <laughs> I use so much of their stuff. Yeah. But no, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. What's the definition? What is the definition, Bella? It's on the piece of paper I took all my notes on that's not in the bathtub with me. I thought you were prepared. You said you were prepared for this. I was so prepared. I was not prepared to record on my phone and not have my notes. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, emotional intelligence is the capability of individuals to recognize their own emotions and those of others. Discern between different feelings and label them appropriately. Mm-hmm. Use emotional information to guide thinking and behavior. And manage and or adjust emotions to adapt to environments or achieve one's goal. That's complicated. Okay, fine. (laughs) Dictionary.com simplifies it to the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions. And to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathically. Okay, so kind of like the thought work episode we previously did, where we talked about how, how like our thoughts create our actions based on our emotions and what we're feeling. This is basically talking about being able to control our emotions, understand our emotions, talk dominate about... Dominate our emotions. <laughs> dominate, take charge of our emotions. Whip them into shape. Whip it. To flog our emotions. Yes, I did some flogging tonight. Mm-hmm. That was good. That was good workout. So, could you give me an example of a time recently where you might have used emotional intelligence? I think we had a conversation you and I did the other night, maybe a few weeks back. That counter's cold on my back. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to bathroom recording. <laughs> I think we had a conversation, I don't know, a few weeks back, when we were making dinner in the kitchen. Which is a good place to make dinner. Yes, yes, as it is. And I, being the queen of getting defensive and, like, overreacting and defending my point, really, like, stopped myself, thought about what you were saying, tried to empathize with your side of things, and then really kind of took charge of my emotions that night during that conversation. Instead of letting them run me, I took charge. Yeah. I remember that conversation. That was fun. I remember it well. (laughs) Fun memories. What about you? I always employ emotional intelligence. (laughs) Regardless of the scenario, I am a pillar of emotional genius. 
super genius. Yeah? Yeah. Well, that's good. Like divine genius. <laughs> Emotional yeah. divine genius. Oh, well, nice. That's me. Oh, yeah. good. So basically anytime, yeah, I used it 20 minutes ago. I used it 20 weeks ago. I used it 20 lifetimes ago. I should be sitting on top of a mountain right now waiting for people to climb that mountain to come to me for answers. There are no words. I no know. words. That was really good. You were just dead stumped. I, I, there was nothing. Right, I because you weren't really engaged with your EIQ. Mm -hmm. Technically, yeah. it's also just EQ. Well, sure it is. For people that want to be lazy about it. Oh, this is going to be a shite episode. Hmm. <laughs> I don't see why you say that. <laughs> Perhaps you should get in touch with your emotions and calm yourself and control this situation. Well, now, why do you think emotional intelligence is important? Well, I guess just based off my personal experience, I would say that emotional intelligence is important for a great number of reasons, depending on the scenario, which there are also many. One of which is you get upset and you start speaking emotional gibberish, as it might be. <laughs> and that's when the fights start happening or the miscommunication happens. And you didn't want to take a few moments to get your emotions in check or to keep that ego down. So now you're fighting all night long, or all weekend long, or all month long, or all relationship long. <laughs> Your whole relationship is based on the fight. And, and that's really, in my view, a lot of where developing great emotional intelligence skills is important, specifically for polyamory. With a partner, there's always a potential for argument. And no one wants to argue with a partner. Right. With polyamorous relationships or multi-partner relationships, there are multiple chances for those fights. You could go from fight to fight to fight. <laughs> right. And as someone who practices ethical non-monogamy, the last thing I want to do is not check my emotions and run around always fighting with all my partners. That can become very exhausting extremely quickly. Absolutely. So that's where it's important. Well, if it helps anybody, if you're still kind of like struggling to understand it, I read an article that really kind of stuck with me. And the way they described it was more of like IQ versus EQ. Or like okay. we've heard the old adage street smarts versus book smarts right right so the book smarts can get you so far right maybe they get you into college because you're brilliant you're book right. smart you're super super intelligent in general if we were talking from gaming standpoint <laughs> this is intelligence and wisdom on your character sheet right right intelligence is your learned smarts it's what you've gotten from your book smarts mm -hmm. as bella just said it's the things that you've probably developed enough education to get a degree for whereas wisdom is like your street smarts wisdom is kind of how you understand how the world works and that's when people are like whoa they're so smart they're, they're wise it's that kind of intelligence right and if we go back to the college example while iq might get you into college eq or your emotional intelligence is the ability to manage your stress and emotions, maybe around finals coming up or mm. a breakup and you still have to go to class. Your book smarts, your IQ, might not get you through all that. Right. So your EQ or your emotional intelligence is what helps you manage that. So really they work together. Like one is not stronger than the other. You need them both. Right. So the IQ gets you into college. The EQ keeps you from getting kicked out of college. <laughs> totally. Because that's where mine would go. <laughs> if I were to not manage my EQ, or as the non-lazy person would say it, the EIQ. <laughs> if I were to not manage my emotional intelligence, I would be more prone to have anger outbursts. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, when they can't handle it, they, they cry a lot. They harness their inner sads. 
I mean, it's basically when your logical process breaks down or stalls out. And so the emotional process rushes in to alleviate the buildup. So, like I said, some people get the sads and some people cry it out. I would get angry. Right. And I would... I would yell a lot, or I'd Hulk smash, or whatever. You <laughs> well, I'm over here it. crying, and you're Hulk smashing, yeah. and no one's communicating for shit. Right. <laughs> and that's really one of the things where it comes down is that, you know, we're going to reference the ego episode because that's always important. I'll reference that until the day I'm dead. <laughs> but when you are handling your ego, it's so much to handle that you can't often handle input from others and what i mean by that is i'm sitting here kind of hearing some conversation i'm not happy with it i can handle my ego which is like you know have a rebuttal start an <laughs> argument flip the table defend yourself or i could listen to what's being told to me and try to process it logically and with an eq that would get me through it but I can't do both because if I'm too busy trying to keep my ego from exploding, then I'm not going to be able to take the time to honestly and genuinely hear what's being told to me. Right. And then that's when the lack of EQ means that I get Hulk smashy and all conversation is lost at that point and it just devolves into ugliness and name calling or extreme language. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what it looks like when the emotional intelligence has failed, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. When we're not applying things that we know better and we've learned. So do you want to hear what it looks like in reality when someone's actually putting emotional intelligence into their communication and into their life? You mean aside of when I look in the mirror? Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, this is according to Justin Bariso, who is the author of... EQ applied. He gives us 13 examples of what emotional intelligence looks like in real life. Okay. So if I just run through them real quick here, you reflect on your own feelings. You pause to think before acting or speaking. You strive to control your thoughts. You benefit from criticism. You show authenticity, demonstrate empathy, praise others. You forgive and forget. You keep your commitments you help others, and you protect yourself from emotional sabotage. Okay, so I would say, first off, I've never read anything that this person has written. Right. And until you just read that, I had no idea what that was going to be all about. <laughs> I will say that in my life, because I've really put a lot of work into my emotional intelligence because I've needed it from a young age. Right. I've got almost all of that list down pat. Totally. The one that I struggle with the most is forgive and forget. Mm -hmm. When you have wronged me... <laughs> now, it takes a lot to really wrong me to a point to where, like, I don't let it go. Right. It takes a lot. I mean, I've stuck with girlfriends who have... Wanted to break up, and then want to get back together. Want to break up, want to get back together. And I, I've done that. <laughs> Whatever. No big deal. I'm still friends in my heart and in my mind with a lot of these people. And if they ever came back, I'd be like, hey, how's things going? Let's pick up where we left off. Right. I've had my best friend sell me a car and then turn around and physically steal it that night. What? And disappear with it. <laughs> And when I saw him a year later, it's cool. <laughs> it's gone and forgotten. Like, right. no worries, you know. But when you get to a point where you have wronged me in a way that I cannot forgive, there is no forgetting. Right. Well, and I think and those that's are the extreme I, cases. And that's when I don't practice emotional intelligence. Yeah. And that's when I let the big green monster come out and, you know, do the smashy <laughs> thing. Because... <laughs> So the last one on the list, mm -hmm. how do you personally protect yourself from emotional sabotage? From personal sabotage? Wait. Like, from no, no, just your personal experience. How do you protect yourself from emotional sabotage? Like, I'm sabotaging myself. I'm causing my own damage. Yeah. That's sometimes a tough one because 
when like let's just say maybe you're you're going out on a date and maybe i'm not emotionally ready for the specific person to be your partner or whatever the scenario is you're struggling with it yeah and then you're out like i want you to have a good time okay and then you get out the door and then my brain starts going mm -hmm. and the little wheels start and that's when i could sabotage myself the most because a i'm alone b i'm prone to overthinking as it is <laughs> and c I generally handle my emotions pretty well, and this is a point where I'm not going to be able to, so I listen to all of the chatter in my head. Right. That's when I know that things are about to go bad, and if I don't do some management, then I'm definitely going to sabotage myself. So what's that management? And I have sabotaged myself before. <laughs> really bad. Because when I fuck something up, I do it with gusto. With Flair. Yes. Yeah, Ric Flair and I fuck things up together a lot. So how I manage that, it really, again, all these things that we talk about is always scenario-based in my mind. But with that scenario that I provided... I think, the, I think that's a common scenario that a lot of our listeners probably go through. Right, agreed. One of the first things that I try to tell myself is that... You want to go have a good time. And hopefully you are having a good time. That employs, in my mind, what we talked about the other week in the Four C's episode. Mm -hmm. Compassion. Yeah. I want you to enjoy yourself. I want you to have a good time. And then I want to feel that compersion when you come home and tell me what a great date you had. Right. Sometimes that's not so easy. Because I don't want to do the compersion. I want to self-sabotage and I want to do the comparison. <laughs> or I want to do the competition. Or, you know, that that one fleeting moment where something shitty goes through my head and I'm like, well, I'm going to text something really dickish. <laughs> and I, pro I try not to and generally I don't. So the first thing I do is try to remember the compassion. I try to put compassion towards you. Mm-hmm. I will try to also put compassion toward the person you're going out with. Right. This person isn't trying to fuck up my life. This person likes you. This person is trying to live their own genuine life. They're trying to follow the rules or the guidelines of social or intimate or poly interaction. And when they're out with you, they're trying to make sure that they're coordinated emotionally as well mm -hmm. so that they're not overstepping boundaries or or whatever you want to call it right because yeah. it's not really it's not like we came in and come in here and sign this document saying that you won't do section eight <laughs> through four but but it's just the idea that if i'm taking a girl out and she's married as an example mm -hmm. i don't want to take her out and be like you know you should really leave that douchebag right you know? I don't want to take her out and try to ruin her relationship. I just want to have a good time with this person I'm attracted to. Yeah. So I try to remember that that's exactly what this person who's taking you out is doing. Yeah. They just want to take you out and they want to have a good time in their life. They're good people trying the best they can. And there's no reason to have those hard feelings towards that person. So I try to remember the compassion for that person as well. Mm -hmm. And then I provide myself compassion. I could sit here and I could overthink. I could sit here and I could start spinning that circle and, and winding down that spiral. Right. Or I can say, look, dude, now's a time where you just chill. You know, there are these things that need done that maybe you could do. You know, you wanted to get to this project. You never have the time. Now there's no one stopping you. Go do that project. Right. And it gets so busy with it that you forget about the time at all. I want to do something that stops that tendency to overthink and overprocess what potential problems could be happening. Right. So those are some of the basic things I do. All right. So we talked about like how you manage your own emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and like how to compare it to IQ and how they kind of go hand in hand and work with each other. 
But how does emotional intelligence affect our relationships? Realistically, again, in my view, realistically, the more advanced you have your, your EQ, the more that you work on it and the more you get those skill practices in, the better time you have at communicating, the better time you have at actively listening. Right. You can empathize better which allows you the opportunity to look at a scenario through other people's eyes. It gives you the chance to really, really get a good read on what's going on and remember that, you know, some things are constructive criticism and they're not personal attacks and everything's going to be okay because you can process through it. And you can help someone else process also so that the communication's stronger, the relationship flows more freely. Right. Those are my thoughts. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think in general, emotion. Okay, so emotional intelligence is a person's like ability to be aware of control and express emotions in a healthy way. Yeah. Right? Well, when you're in a relationship with somebody and there's it doesn't even have to be, but a disagreement is a big thing. But let's just say everything is going great. The relationship is fantastic. You still need to be able to communicate with each other and, like you said, empathize with each other and really build on that vulnerability that's in a relationship. Yeah. And I think you can't do that without emotional intelligence. People won't open up to you. Sure, there's a level of trust there. But I mean, really, it translates into the ability to be in touch with your own emotions and your partner's emotions. Right. And then you mentioned something pretty interesting with that in that things could be going great and a good emotional intelligence is still important for the healthy functioning of the relationship. Right. One of the things that I think about primarily when I think about what you just said is like when we go to the club we go to lifestyle clubs mm -hmm. where people may or may not hook up where if you know other people are going that you do know there might be some play time right you go there you might encounter someone you don't know and there may be some play time we're in a good place we're driving to the club or the day of the club that we're going to go and we can actually use our emotional intelligence to sit down and have that discussion of, well, what are some of the scenarios or what are some of the possibilities? If this happens, how should we proceed? Or if this happens, what is the expectation? Or do you have any concerns about this? Or, you know, right. really talk it through in the sense that, no, we're not going to be able to hit every single scenario because there's always always going to be something that pops up <laughs> that throws a curveball yeah but we can cover enough ground that we have a general idea going into the scenario what each of us hopes for wants expects would like to see fantasizes about you know and in that way if something out of the ordinary does happen out of the ordinary <laughs> in a sex club right but if you find yourself in a scenario you never would have thought to talk about there's also that trust that you and your partner have had enough conversation that you can go forward reasonably to a certain degree based mm -hmm. on what you feel your trust level is with your partner right so if like we go there and i know that you've had mfm fantasies male female mm -hmm. male fantasies and we've had x amount of discussion going in and we're like hey it's you know Overall, we'll just go and have a good time. If things happen, things happen. Right. And then say a couple of guys approach you and they're like, hey, you want to get spit roasted? <laughs> and you're like, boy, do I. <laughs> but I'm not around. You could reasonably say that based on our discussions, I'd probably be okay with it. And then you could go do it. And then you would come back and you'd kind of tell me what happened. Right. Let me know so it's not like a hidden secret thing. Right. And then I would use my emotional intelligence to recall that conversation that we had leading into the club and recall kind of what our agreements were or what we talked about or what our general feeling was. 
Or that's a time I could sabotage. And I could be like, you did what? And then just totally be an ass. Right. And even if it's not recalling our conversation, the emotional intelligence comes into play with simply managing your feelings in that moment. Yeah. You know, are you practiced enough in these powerful ways of the emotions to figure out what you're feeling, process it on the spot, have a conversation without the blow up, that kind of a thing. That's also part of your emotional intelligence, especially if, you know, not everyone has those what if conversations like we do Mm. or the, if this, then what, and these are my expectations. Right. We front load a lot of that stuff. Mostly well, because we've learned over yeah. multiple <laughs> multiple issues here and there. But we worked through them, and we learned, and this is what came of it. And now we're better on the spot because right. of it. Right. Oh, 100%. And i got to say that a lot of why I front load and a lot of why I listen as intently as I do is because I was in a super long relationship where there wasn't any front loading and there wasn't any preparation conversation right and so when something would happen or the idea that something would happen then because there wasn't enough emotional intelligence working through up to this point once this point happens then any time after that point is just non-stop arguments and fighting and resentments and bringing up the past and there's a lot of potential damage that goes with not being able to handle your emotions enough to have conversations ahead of time. Right. Well, and I think a big thing, too, I know at least for me, just from I've had abusive relationships in the past, I have a fear that creeps up when I'm like, oh, I really want to talk about this scenario that might come up or this expectation or want or desire, but I don't know if he's going to take it well, and I don't want to cause a fight before going out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think a lot of people are probably in that same boat where they've got some triggers from before, and they've got some fears from previous relationships, and as much as we talk about not bringing baggage into a current relationship, it's still going to happen. So overcoming that fear in practice, just because we've done it time after time, You've shown me that you're not going to blow up every time I want to have a tough conversation. Maybe just a couple of the times. <laughs> Builds that trust. So now I know, even if it's a hard thing where I'm like, oh, you're not into other dudes, but I want to be with two dudes. How do you feel about that? You're not going to fly off the handle at that. I know that going in. Right. And it's taken some practice and some time. And I think some of our listeners might be a little like, oh, I can't have these conversations. But if you do it in baby steps and get some practice at it, work on that emotional intelligence. And you can't control your partner's emotional intelligence. You can only set your own boundaries, work on yourself. And if it gets to a point that's beyond your boundary limits, then step away. Right. It's funny that this example keeps coming up. (laughs) The male, female, male? Yeah. (laughs) You're right, I'm not. And I was propositioned recently... Asking if I could be one of the, one of the people, and and I'm still trying to process like what do I feel about that, and and would that be something I'd be interested in doing, willing right. to do? So, are you afraid? Just a super random question off the wall. Are you afraid you'll get stage fright in the moment? No. But because because you're not into the other dude, do you fear that like you wouldn't be able to perform? Well, I didn't think this was going to turn into a Dr. Ruth episode. <laughs> Bonus content. Bam. But I think that I think that essentially it's it's more that when I'm being intimate, there's a level of connection that I like. Yeah. That isn't physical. And it's like a connection of the heart in some way. Mm-hmm. It's the energy. Right. And I don't feel that sort of connection with guys, which is one of the reasons why I'm comfortable saying that I'm straight and right. I'm okay with that. Is It's not that I'm afraid to take my penis out in front of... I don't care. Yeah. Like, I've been naked in front of guys before. Guys have been naked in front of me before. That doesn't... It's just there's an emotional connection that's missing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just me. I, I, I would assume that I'll, plenty of other people experience this. Yeah. But if that emotional connection of some sort isn't there, 
then the whole experience kind of falls flat for me. Yeah, I get that. So I think I think that's where I'm trying to process. Like it's a friend that I do care about, and it's a fantasy that she has, and you know, always the idea of helping a buddy out. But then, <laughs> but then there's that other idea that like I don't want to ruin her fantasy because my lack of that connection causes everything to just fizzle. Right. Anyway. But that's emotional intelligence. You were right. propositioned with this thing. You're, you didn't have some, oh, God, no, I can't do that. Well, kind I of don't I think about it. Yeah. I'm still thinking about it. But you're processing through it. Right. And sometimes, and this is one of the things with emotional intelligence that's actually pretty important, is how much time do you use to process? Now, like I said, this was, this was a while ago that I was asked this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not sure. Let me think about it. Let me get back with you. And I still haven't gotten back with her. Yeah. And now there's an additional layer of this emotional intelligence stuff that I need to work through. On one hand, it's me trying to figure out how far I'm willing to go for a friend, what I'm willing to do, how much interest I'd have, like these things. And now because a bit of time has elapsed and I haven't, checked back in and been like, hey, <laughs> just so you know, I'm still thinking about it, which is something I should probably do. Right. Now this extra layer is coming in like, okay, at what point are you going to string this along before it seems like you're just ghosting the concept right. versus, hey, I still need time to process. Well, I think some people have knee-jerk snap reactions when you have a lengthy processing time. Indeed. Right? Like... You could still be thinking about something, and like you said, they assume you've ghosted the concept, uh -huh. and shit hits the fan just because you're still processing. Right. So maybe follow up with your partners, you know, hey, do you still need more time to think about how you're feeling, you know, those kinds of questions, right. before jumping to a conclusion that they've just written you off. So after we're done recording, I think I'm probably going to do the right thing and message her and say, hey. Still thinking about it. <laughs> Don't want you to think that I've ignored you. Right. But I'm still processing. <laughs> well, and it's funny that you mentioned that too, because there is there is this idea. Let's go into processing. I think this is a very crucial step in emotional intelligence skill building. Okay. Processing is what you need to do from the moment that you hear or experience a situation that you need to go through in your head and learn how to handle it in a way that isn't going to be damaging to yourself or others. Right. So it's like the you took the information in and you want to have a knee-jerk reaction, but you've paused. Kind of. And you're like, okay, wait. Before we go any further, let me step back and think about this. Or it's like long division, right? <laughs> 37, divide... 582,312. <laughs> right? Obviously, your knee-jerk reaction would be something like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Give me a calculator. Right. But you say you really want to work through it so you understand the equation. Yeah. And you're going to take the time. You're going to do all the little steps. You're going to carry the numbers. You're going to <laughs> you're gonna write it all out longhand, make oh, all that string of numbers down there. <laughs> and that's kind of what processing is. It's taking your mathematical equation and instead of just getting a calculator to say this is the response i'm supposed to have you're going through to understand it fully you're saying okay now divide this and then carry that and then move this and that's really what it is right and the more a situation or a question or a comment or a criticism affects your emotions the more complicated the mathematical equation is so if she was like, hey, do you want to get together and rub our genital parts together? <laughs> That's an easy question yeah. with a small amount of variables. And I could figure that out pretty fast. <laughs> but now you're adding other complicated things. And so you're compounding the equation. So the more compounded the equation, the longer it takes to process through it. Right. It's not just 10 divided by 2. Right. It's some big Which ass Which is 312, long... by the way. <laughs> some big ass long number that you have to do all the longhand for. Right. Basically, processing your emotions is, <laughs> is the long, long division. Hand. Yeah. I love it. 
<laughs> oh no. And next time somebody says something and I need to process it, I'm gonna be like, hold on, I need to go do some long division. And they're gonna they're gonna look at me like, what in the fuck did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let me explain. Right. Well, and that's the thing too, is that sometimes that's required. Because you don't want to just have the answer. You want to know how you got there. Right. And that's the key, crucial part of processing your emotions. That's, that's what all of this is about. Because you don't want to have a scripted response to everything. You want to know what you really feel about it. Well, that takes me. That was actually uh-huh. a really good segue without you knowing what I had. Who says I didn't know? <laughs> to, to one of the things I want to make sure people can take away from this episode... And it's five skills to help you develop emotional intelligence, according to Mark Manson. Now, quick note about Mark. (laughs) If you guys have ever seen The Room, the worst movie ever made, like literally that's what it's known for. It's known as the worst movie ever. Look it up on YouTube. It's called The Room. There's a character in it named Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. So I looked up this guy's website, Mark Manson, and he wrote some really great stuff, a couple books that we really like, and we'll put some links in the show notes to it. But on the page, on his landing page, it says, hi, period, I'm Mark. (laughs) So then naturally. (laughs) Naturally, we both looked at the screen and went, oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) Oh, hi, Mark. It was so good. So anyway, total tangent. Oh, that's a crazy story, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) But his article about the five skills to help you develop these are, one, practicing self-awareness or understanding yourself and your behavior. Mm -hmm. And that he breaks down into three levels. Know what you're doing, know what you're feeling, and know your own emotional bullshit. So basically, those are the rules of mathematics. If you're (laughs) going to do this long division... Then you round up this number, and then you carry that number. That's really what he's saying right there. Right. And his third one, like his little knowing your own emotional bullshit, he gives a really great example that I think you should read because you'll get a kick out of it. But it's about how he hates when people interrupt him. Oh, fuck. You don't understand. I was reading this article, and I was like, did Monsuda write this? This is so weird. (laughs) He talks about how he flies off the handle at any time somebody interrupts him. And it could be the smallest, most innocent thing. But for whatever reason, he's got this trigger and he just fucking loses it. I know why I have my so angry at it. And he's like, that's not on the person that interrupted me for this super innocent thing that wasn't an intentional interruption. That's my own emotional bullshit happening. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that and I own it and I'm working on it kind of a thing. Yeah. So just as an example for if you don't understand what he means when he says, own your own emotional bullshit. Right. And that's a huge one because I'm the same way as you so generously put (laughs) I just thought you'd connect to it. That's oh, all. yeah, I do. I connect to it hard. I'm cool with a couple of interruptions, a little bit here and there. But if I'm trying to get some stuff out or if I'm trying to give you a really good story, I know I'm long-winded, which is more of my emotional bullshit. But if you cut me off because you think you know what I'm going to say, mm, we're, we're fighting. That's it. <laughs> okay, and you know how some couples, it's like the cute thing when they finish each other's sentences? In my head, I'm still like, oh, rom-com fantasies are that we finish each other's sentences. It's so cute. They do it on TV. And the first few times we did it, like when we were in NRE stage, he's fine. He's totally cool. Couple years down the line, I'm like, ha, ah, I can finish your sentences because I know what you're saying. He's like, bitch, you do not know what I'm saying. So good. We okay, do wait, not me... finish each other's cereal. <laughs> no, in Frozen, there's a line, we finish each care. other's sandwiches. Oh, no. <laughs> so good. Okay. That's another one of my triggers is Frozen. Frozen. Yeah. I know. I need a Frozen friend. Uh, I'll freeze your friends. So let me, let me finish this. Okay. So five skills to help you develop your emotional intelligence. Practicing self-awareness. Channeling your emotions well. Learn to motivate yourself. And he has something called the do something principle that states taking action is not just the effect of motivation, but also the cause of it. So if you know that you, that doing something, you really, really like doing something, but you're waiting for something to motivate you to do it, just start doing it and then you'll get the feeling of really liking it already. So learn to motivate yourself, 
recognize emotions in others. That'll build stronger relationships where you empathize and, and you're vulnerable with each other. And then if, infuse your emotions with your values. So in order to live the life that you truly want to live, you have to first be clear about what you truly value because that's where your emotional energy will be directed. So somebody could really have a great emotional intelligence and they could fully understand why they're feeling joy and joy is amazing and good. But if they're feeling joy because they just kicked a puppy, their values are a little off and maybe this isn't so good. Well, you know, and it's interesting because I'm going to, jump all the way back to the beginning of this conversation about what it really takes to get me to that point to where I will not forgive and forget. And that's where it comes down to is the values. Mm -hmm. Love is a fickle beast. I mean, <laughs> you can fall in love, you can get scared and you could do the runaway bride thing. What? Yeah. And that's okay. Right. Because that's someone just trying to figure out their heart for me. A level of integrity is a must. Yeah. That's why I can't handle ass kissers at work. <laughs> like, cannot handle ass kissers at work. <laughs> if if you can't... And again, I understand that sometimes things come up. Say, oh yeah, we're totally going to your party. But then someone sideswipes my car and now I have to do an insurance claim mm -hmm. or something. Shit happens. Right. But if you say one thing and intentionally and without remorse do the exact opposite, <laughs> you don't have that integrity. Mm -hmm. And I'm not asking for much, but if we're going to be able to be on a level that we're good, I need that integrity. Right. And if I'm not feeling that that's there, then I'm not there. Right. So it's my values, which is what I'm aligned with. Which is also what I can't abide when other people can't follow. Yeah. Maybe that's my own bullshit. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, and that kind of goes with, if I were to jump back again to something you said about how when you're processing, someone might feel like you're ghosting them mm -hmm. or something like that. And understanding integrity and that sort of thing. One of the aspects of emotional intelligence that I feel like one of these examples of emotional intelligence that comes up, especially on social media, mm -hmm. is when you don't stay in enough contact with somebody and you're not doing it as regular as they'd like and instantly, oh, you're just ghosting me. <laughs> or you don't care enough about me uh. and that sort of thing. And I think that we've all been on one side or the other of that. Yeah, or both. And this is a time where it's really important to use emotional intelligence in the aspect that if someone's not contacting you regularly, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't give a shit about you. That's you taking it personally and that's you putting a lot of unspoken hope or expectation onto another person that may not be aware of it. Right. So when they're not fulfilling that unspoken need, or if they just can't and you don't know what's going on in their life, you can't make that judgment that they just stopped caring about you. It could be that there's something going on in their life. Right. Now, I'm not saying this because of this example, but this example does help illustrate very close friend of mine, a lover to death. We were great friends for many years, and she lives long distance. When I went through my separation with my wife, I was going through a lot of personal emotional things. And a lot of times, I will hunker down on my Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which we'll talk about in a future episode. And I'll work on my survival techniques, which means that I'm not so focused on social stuff because I've got to live in order to socialize. Right. Well, that caused a bit of an issue between her and I, and she was also going through some medical stuff at the time. And she felt like I withdrew because I didn't care. And I know this because we had a very lengthy conversation, very emotional conversation about it. But really what it came down to is I needed to manage my own personal things. And that took a long time to do. Now, we've since grown apart. We still love her to death. And 
And I still consider her an amazing friend. But that sort of thing does happen. Right. And it happened also recently with another friend of ours. And this person actually got pretty upset that I wasn't speaking as regularly as I could. And felt like I was ghosting this person. Again, not the case. Yeah. But for the sake of the example, when you can't take a moment to have the emotional intelligence to process the idea that the person you're talking to might need space or might need a certain thing, and so they can't put enough attention into social interaction, the more you can have that emotional intelligence to do that, more you're going to be okay with the fact that you could go a long time without talking to someone. And then it will make it easier when that person is ready to talk again for you to be able to pick up where things were. And well, you're just totally going to feel okay. better. Yeah. You're not going to carry around this resentment and annoyance mm-hmm. and grr type feeling in you, which is heavy and a lot to carry, especially when you don't need to be carrying it. Right. And an argument could be said, well, if you need that space, you let that person know. Well, if you're talking to 30 or 40 people, or if you have a big social circle, mm-hmm. and then you have to go around telling everyone individually, that is a lot of labor. Right. And maybe not something you're ready for. Yeah. So have that emotional intelligence and realize that it's not always about you and that everything's okay. You process what you need to do and do it open-minded and you try to put yourself in other people's shoes so that you can not build the bad side of the feelings. Right. Ironically, one of those scenarios, one of those people turned around and told me the same thing. That they needed to back away <laughs> for personal reasons and have since done that. It's, yeah. It's like, okay, when you're ready, I'm here for you. And you take the time you need. That's really all it takes. Yeah. Anyway. Very long-winded examples. Probably not what you were going for. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially, if we're really thinking about emotional intelligence, we're talking about how to handle our emotional reactions or our emotional responses to a situation or something that causes us to have an emotional trigger. Right. There's some outside circumstance. Something happens, triggers a, a thought in us we have an emotional reaction to that thought and we can either we can choose we can control our emotional being as best as we can of course it's not always going to work we run on a daily basis everybody having emotional responses or cues due to whatever's going on in our life right we can have an emotional feeling about bad traffic we can have emotional feeling about a burnt dinner. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stuff in a day that works our emotions. Absolutely. And those all come from different places. But in general, our reaction comes from an emotional state. Right. So for me to think about emotional intelligence, one of the things that I think about is trying to imagine it in a sense of like you're working a muscle group for your feelings. Mm-hmm. If you are not paying attention to what's going on, you're not paying attention to your emotional reaction, you're not doing that maintenance to your emotional physique. Right. And so, you know, you get complacent or you turn into an emotional couch potato. Mm -hmm. If I'm really going to draw this metaphor out. (laughs) So it's like when you want to get fit you need to consciously think about the groups of muscles that you're working. You need to think about how you're going to reach your goals of being fit. So in a way, we're trying to become emotionally fit. So we're not just going to mindlessly use our emotions or our feelings as we process through life. We're going to take the time to say, this is a chance for me to exercise my emotions in a way that gets me towards my goal outcome. Absolutely. I think we talked about it earlier in the episode with really step one to developing emotional intelligence is paying attention to your, you know, self-awareness. Really, you know, what are you doing? What are you feeling? What's your emotional BS? That whole first step in the thing. And that's where you're really going to start building your fitness regimen for emotional health. Mm -hmm. 
is you're not going to be able to eliminate these things that cause an emotional response in your existence. Right. As much as we'd all like to, it's not possible. So as much as you want to control the outside world or change the way that certain things are done, what really needs to happen is you need to recognize what it is that's causing you the emotional response. Mm -hmm. And you need to do active work to adjust your emotional health in a way where these things don't hurt you in a crippling way. Right, and they don't throw you off track. If you've got a plan to work on yourself and not have emotional outbursts and whatnot, whatever your plan is, the more that you stick to working through it, the more on track you'll be versus totally derailing because you had one bad day. Right. And I think what I'm hearing you say is, I mean, we may not be able to control those triggers, but we can control how we react to them. 100%. We can, we can still feel something like fear, but the way we act out that fear can be good or bad. And that's up to us and how we decide to show that emotion. Right. Because none of this is saying you're not allowed to have emotional responses or feelings towards something. Quite the contrary. What we're discussing here is recognizing what your emotions are so that you can process them in a way where the trigger doesn't debilitate your existence. Right. Because we all want to do better and feel better and live better. Mm -hmm. And if we are more in tune and thus more in check with our emotions, then there's a less likely opportunity that the trigger causing that emotion is going to cause us to fall apart. Right. Or to sabotage a relationship or all the relationships. Well, and I think in relationships, when it comes to emotional intelligence, another big point that we haven't really discussed is holding yourself accountable. Yeah. Right? So along with keeping a solid understanding of what emotions you're feeling and how you're going to react to it, and also understanding that it's a two-way street, right? If you have certain expectations of your partner, remember that, you know, the double standards exist. If you expect them to keep their emotional intelligence high and be able to have tough conversations with you, and if you want them to create a safe space for you to be able to express your feelings, mm -hmm. you need to be able to do that for them as well. Yeah. Holding yourself accountable. Sure, you might be like, oh, I don't like your emotional outbursts anymore, and you need, I can't handle it, and this is triggering, and all these things. Well, then you better get your shit in check, too. Right. It goes both ways. Well, and I remember some of our early situation, I guess, our relationship, <laughs> if you want to make it not sound so catastrophic. Situation. Our early situation <laughs> where we were stuck in this gridlock of terror. <laughs> I think Dane Cook re refers to genitals as situations, too, in his comedy act. Oh, no. He's like, yeah, what do you have going on with your situation? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, relationships, genitals, situations. <laughs> I guess it all goes... Hand in hand. <laughs> well, okay. So before you and I learned quite so well how to communicate with each other, because every person is going to need to learn how to communicate with someone new in yeah. a different way. We're all incredibly special and unique, just like everybody else. Right. So where this type of pattern worked in a previous relationship of mine, where I'd communicate using this method or this method or this method, might not work with a new relationship. That was one of the aspects of our relationship which is where we felt a lot of growing pains is you had a very different communication style with previous partners mm -hmm. i had a different communication style with previous partners you and i coming together sure we adore each other and we love being around each other we needed to learn how to talk to each other right and that's where a lot of that work comes in where while I feel like my communication style is perfect, and you feel like your communication style is perfect. They may not perfectly line up. Yeah. 
And that's where developing your EQ is important so that you can learn how to line up in a way that makes it work. Yeah. What I'm trying to get at here <laughs> is that early on, you and I would have an issue if I was not consciously practicing my EQ. And if you were not consciously practicing your EQ, mm -hmm. our little issue might have turned into a big argument Absolutely. or just a full-blown fight. But because we both in our own ways have learned how to manage our emotions or process through things, we've come together and realized that there's a need to adjust a little bit in order to speak the same language emotionally. Right. That's not always the easiest thing to do. One of the one of the big issues or one of the big struggles that I see is that sometimes a person might be inclined to point out or be able to point out where someone else is failing. Mm -hmm. And they aren't always able to turn that around on themselves so well. Right. And it's one of these behavioral patterns where because maybe something has hurt you a whole bunch, you're really in tune and seeing it in others mm -hmm. so that you can avoid it so that you don't have to be hurt again. Right. It's on my radar. Right. Which is totally cool because that's self-protection and self-preservation. But if you have picked up habits that you might be noticing in others and you're not willing to admit those things in yourself, you're not holding yourself accountable mm -hmm. for what you're expecting others to do or behave like. Right. I feel like that's kind of what we're getting at here. Yeah, definitely. And not that, just, just to touch back on something you were saying about how, like, people's communication styles are different. I know that was a big struggle with KFUG and I. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're still, everyone, in case people are wondering, we're still great, everything's fine, we're still besties. But we definitely struggled in the, I'm communicating in the best way I know how, and she's communicating in the best way she knows how, and we're not connecting. Mm -hmm. And it would definitely cause some confusion and... You know, I don't understand. I communicate with everybody else just fine on both of our sides, but we couldn't communicate with each other. And it wasn't a bad reflection on either of us. It was just, for some reason, we couldn't get that to line up. Right. If you're struggling to get things lined up, in general, mm -hmm. anybody listening or anybody having this conversation with us, and you feel like you can see what the other person's doing or not doing crystal clear but you can't communicate that, perhaps it's a time to step in another set of shoes mm -hmm. and look inward at yourself and see where is it that maybe I'm causing a language dam, a language barrier or a communication block. Yeah. And oftentimes I think, well, and I've experienced that, I've done it. Oftentimes because you don't want to admit maybe your own downfall or your own flaw mm -hmm. that you're gonna you're gonna put those blinders on and you're not gonna look at it right I've done it mm -hmm. so I totally get it it's one of those things where having that emotional intelligence is necessary because you want to be able to take that and use it on yourself maybe not so much always try to change what someone else is thinking or believing or feeling but also turn it on yourself Hold yourself accountable to the same things you want to hold someone else accountable to. Put yourself to the same fire you put the rest of the people in your world to. Right. Be willing to recognize possibilities that you are potentially working at something that you could be working better at. It's scary to admit because you don't want to show this weakness, quote unquote, right. to the rest of the world. But if you're able to look at your weakness and work on it until it becomes a strength, then what you're really doing is you're creating more emotional intelligence and you're you're being able to understand yourself better so that you can understand the world around you better. Right. You're building up that muscle. Mm-hmm. Internal language and internal dialogue is very important in these kind of scenarios where if you want to better yourself or if you want to better the world around you or you want to better one or any of your relationships maybe it's not always that other person that needs help improving maybe you take the time to recognize and acknowledge in yourself where you need help improving right and it doesn't always go perfect i still have crying meltdowns because my emotions 
no matter what the emotion, I could be angry, I could be hopped up on adrenaline, I could be sad, and I could be happy, and it will all come out in tears. Yeah. Doesn't matter the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess really, if we think about this topic of discussion, we're looking at things from both an external view and an internal view. Mm -hmm. And if you can manage to do both, you're going to be able to build better on both. Yeah, it's a better balance. Right, a balance. That's mm -hmm. a perfect way of looking at it. Like, we're on a seesaw. <laughs> and if we put... My shit, your shit. My shit, your shit. <laughs> right. And if we put all of the weight of responsibility on the other end of the seesaw, and we say, well, those are all the things out there that need fixed... We're always going to sit way up high in the sky and our feet are never going to touch the ground. We're never going to have fun. You got to come back to earth. <laughs> right. What you need to do is recognize the parts that need fixed internally and the parts that need improved internally and bring some of that weight back in. Mm -hmm. And constructively, you don't have to sit there and be like, well, I'm stupid and I'm ugly and, and my breath stinks or whatever the <laughs> hell it is that you say to yourself. You want to be constructive with your criticism. You want to treat your self the way that you'd treat a friend who needs help. You're not going to tell your friend, damn, you need to fix your mascara because that shit is nasty, <laughs> right? You want to say, hey, you know, it's okay. Like, you might be struggling here, but here's some ways to help. And you're doing a great job, and you're. I believe in you. You could do those things to yourself, which not enough people do. Right. You could tell yourself, okay, sure. Maybe I get a little quick to jump angrily at something. You could tell yourself, you know what? You do kind of jump a little hastily with anger, but you're trying really hard and you're doing really good and I believe in you and you make great progress. Right. Tell yourself great things, but be honest and be willing to accept positive criticism so that you can work off of that. And then your seesaw is going to balance, and then you're going to be able to go up and down and touch the right. ground and touch the sky and have a lot of fun yeah. with life <laughs> and things. Speaking of having a lot of fun with yes. life and things, <laughs> we really got to get out of here because we are coming up on our photo shoot appointment. Yeah, this is actually one of two photo shoots for us. Yep. This one's going to be a kinky photo shoot with our friend Kiki. Right. Kiki <laughs> photography. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a photo shoot we got to do. Yep. We've got some things that we've got to make for our own Patreon. Yeah. we got some bonus content. And you can find that at patreon.com slash talkyourpoly. If you want to see some of this photo shoot, hit that up. Uh, join up. Be part of that awesome tier and check it out. Yep. I don't know what you're waiting for. Just go do it. Just, Just go. <laughs> stop, stop wasting your time already. If you want to see the full results of this photo shoot, that that really sounded was bad. like you were drunk. I just want to say all that fucking shit. Just do the, go to the just do the thing and the go to the internet. <laughs> you, if you want to see the full result, look here, you little shit. <laughs> If you want to see the full result of that photo shoot and Kiki's full portfolio of work, which is pretty incredible, you want to go to Kiki's Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Kiki Nelson. And that's K-I-K-I-N-E-L-S-O-N. Kiki! I always think of Kiki's delivery service. Yeah. I loved that cartoon when I was younger. And I'm excited that I got to meet Kiki because now all I see is Kiki's delivery service whenever we talk. I don't know what that is. Oh, you're kidding me. No. We're going to be watching that tonight. I <laughs> love that movie. No, I, I raised my kid on that movie. I, I know. I heard. All right, Pollyann fam. We got well, shit to do. We got things and stuff. So I'm going to finish my bath. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to get you out of there. We got to get... Um, turn it into a prune. We have got to get some photo shooting going. And yep. we've got to do sexy things in front of a camera so that we can share with all of you that talk with us every week. <laughs> so, uh, look forward to that and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye! Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. 
You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits. We can take some time to process. Processing. (laughs) Oh, there's that finishing thing. (laughs) (laughs) Mark. (laughs) Crazy story about that. Don't ask me questions. Just don't worry about it. Finish the sentence. What are you gonna do? <laughs> don't worry about it. Seriously, you guys, go watch The Room. Yeah, and then let's talk about it because it's a crazy movie, you guys. It's crazy. Such a good movie. Just, just go watch it. Why are you waiting for us? You're gonna think it's porn in the first five minutes. It's fine. Oh God.